Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Pharmacy Hot Topics, where we sit down with our experts and discuss what is currently top of mind in the world of pharmacy. My name is Anna Legra-Dopp, and the title of today's episode is Be Antibiotics Aware, Pharmacists Leveraging the NHSN AU Option. In honor of U.S. Antibiotic Awareness Week, which is November 18th to the 24th, we are hosting this podcast to discuss the CDC's National Healthcare Safety Network, or NHSN, where hospitals can track, analyze, and compare antibiotic use through NHSN's antimicrobial use, or AU, option. Dr. Melinda Neuhauser from the CDC Division of Healthcare Quality Promotion Office of Antibiotic Stewardship will be moderating a discussion with Dr. Libby Dodds-Ashley from Duke, Dr. Christopher Evans from the Tennessee State Department of Health, and Amy Webb from the Lantana Consulting Group working within the CDC Division of Healthcare Quality Promotion Surveillance Branch on the tracking and reporting of antibiotic use data through the NHSN AU option as part of their hospital stewardship program. The findings and conclusions in this report are those of panelists and do not necessarily represent the official position of the CDC. Welcome and thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Anna, for the introduction and opportunity to talk about a topic that is near and dear to all of our stewardship hearts, as well as very timely for the hospital pharmacy community. I'll be asking common questions to our panelists that we often receive from hospital leadership, antibiotic stewards, quality, IT, and others. And fortunately, we have an amazing panel that can answer these questions from many different perspectives. Libby as a stewardship leader in the hospital setting, Chris as a stewardship leader in the health department, as well as Amy, a NHSN AU leader at the CDC. I thought before we dive deep into the NHSN AU option logistics, we could start with a little background of why tracking and reporting of antibiotic use is so important for stewardship programs and kind of thinking of the history, like what challenges did you face prior to having an HSN AU option as a resource for stewardship programs? Melinda, this is Libby. I'll go ahead and dive in here as probably the longest steward on the call. You know, I've been doing this for over 20 years. When I started and we go to try to talk to hospital leadership or prescribers about trying to right-size antibiotic use, I always got faced with the same resistance. Well, what are others doing? How much are we using? Why do you know that it's overuse? So if we can't track our use, we are sort of dead in the water and getting our stewardship initiative started. So having this and the ability to compare to hospitals nationwide has been a game changer. Hey, Melinda, this is Chris. I'm just going to echo some of what Libby said and add my state health department perspective on this in that you know, tracking antibiotic use in the hospital setting in the early days of antibiotic stewardship might have been very challenging. It was nigh near impossible at the state or region level. And the ability for state health departments to access antibiotic use option data through NHSN has enabled us to tailor a lot of our interventions that we are doing for our stewardship efforts in all of our hospitals across the state. This is Amy. That's great. I'm so happy to hear that you guys are enjoying the NHSN AU option. So just to give a little 
little history, a little background for the listeners today. The AU option of NHSN has been going strong since about 2011. So we worked with a few early adopters way back when and ended up getting our first submissions of data in 2012 and have been growing ever since. So today we're actually just over 2,500 facilities that are submitting data to our AU option. So we're very happy with that. Great. Thanks, Amy. What is the bottom line? We often get this question. Does a hospital have to report to NHSN AU option? So we get that question a lot in the NHSN help desk from facilities, just trying to get things straight. So technically for calendar year 2022, reporting into the AUR module, so that includes the AU antimicrobial use option, as well as the AR antimicrobial resistance option of NHSN provides bonus points for the CMS promoting interoperability program under the public health and clinical data exchange objective. So because AUR submission for this calendar year technically only counts as bonus points, we don't consider it to be a required measure. I will add, unless you are a hospital stewardship pharmacist within the state of Tennessee, I will add that within the state of Tennessee, we have made this a requirement. It is part of one of our reportable conditions and events of public health importance. And it is currently live for all hospitals whose bed size is greater than 250 beds across the state. And it will be go live for medium-sized hospitals at the beginning of 2023 and smaller hospitals at the beginning of 2024. Yeah. Thanks for adding that, Chris. We're very excited to hear about the Tennessee mandate and just a plug to also always check with your state health departments because the reporting requirements do vary from state to state. And I did want to mention that starting in calendar year 2024, the AUR reporting will become officially required within the CMS Promoting Interoperability Program. I think we're all excited to know that all of our hospitals are going to report, but I just want to point out that even if it weren't a mandate like in Tennessee or that's coming for CMS, we have used this reporting option in order to meet the joint commission requirements. This uh, allows us to easily fulfill the tracking core element for antibiotic stewardship by having hospitals provide this data. I bet that's the impetus behind many of those 2,500 plus hospitals that are already submitting their data. Yeah, in Tennessee, the reason that we did this is because we had even large hospitals with lots of resources come to us and say, we're not going to be able to get leadership on board and behind this until somebody tells us that we have to do this. And so that was what we did to kind of nudge some of our hospitals along the NHS and AU reporting pathway. And it has actually been very effective. All of our larger hospitals are reporting and the vast majority of our medium-sized hospitals are well on track to meet their deadline in 2023. That's wonderful to hear, Chris. I guess, you know, question we really get a lot is what exactly does that mean? Clearly, Chris, there's some logistical considerations. And Amy, with the changing landscape that you had mentioned with CMS interoperability program, what happens if a hospital isn't able to submit NHSN AU in 2024? Sure. Well, so just to take a step back for AU reporting, facilities send antimicrobial days, also known as days of therapy for 95 different antimicrobials. So that includes some antibacterials or a lot of antibacterials, antifungals, and some antivirals, including the COVID drugs. So facilities are sending that at an aggregated level. So we do not get patient level information. So that's important to keep in mind as you're kind of progressing through AU submissions. And our 
denominators we use for AU are coming from the ADT, the Admission Discharge Transfer System, the days present as well as admissions. AR reporting, which we don't have time to get into today, is patient-level data, susceptibility information from isolates for specific organisms. But in the show notes, we linked some of our AUR resources, so you're welcome to take a look at that in more detail. One of the very, very important things to note for AU and AR reporting is that the data are reported completely electronically. So that is a change from how some facilities might report other data to the NHSN system. So they're submitted electronically via a standard file using a CDA or clinical document architecture file. So that's not something that most people are going to be able to learn how to do in a weekend. So we recommend usually using a vendor system to create and maintain those files because you cannot, there is no manual hand entry of data. So as you can imagine, there's way too much data to be entering by hand. So it ends up being a good thing that it's electronic submission only, but Generally, facilities submit their data about once a month to NHSN. It's not like an everyday thing or a live feed of data, if you will. It's just a once a month, ideally 30 days following the end of the month. And specifically for the Promoting Operability Program, we have also another guidance document linked in the show notes that kind of walks facilities through those three steps to get the official documentation that you need to provide for CMS. Yeah, Libby, do you want to, from your perspective, the hospital perspective, add any considerations? Yeah, excellent point, Melinda. I think we get asked that a lot. You know, I work in a network of hospitals now, and often I hear from leadership. So what does that really mean to me if I don't get my reports in? And the answer is there's financial implications if you don't get your data in according to these specifications. It's a little bit hard to quantify because it's part of a complex equation that takes into account what your CMS reimbursements are for the year and some other important payment factors. But we've worked with a few groups of hospitals, and what we're hearing is that the estimates range from anywhere in the low millions of dollars for a smaller facility up to almost $30 million for health systems that have two to three hospitals included. So really something worth paying attention to. And I'm willing to bet that at your own hospital, there are people who are much more willing to share the internal dollars. I guarantee someone at every hospital has the ability to figure this out. Okay. So based on those implications, Chris and Libby, what would you recommend for stewards to start this process? It's all electronic submission through clinical document architect, which is a potential IT lift. Definitely would love to hear. So the first thing is, is that NHSN is not a new tool. We are definitely diving into someone else's sandbox. And it is the world where quality and infection preventionists are doing a lot of work already. So the number one thing to know is that your hospital is likely already set up within NHSN. There are a few exceptions to that, such as some critical access hospitals, but that is changing. And whoever set that hospital up had very specific reasons for how it was done. And the number one thing we should not do as stewards is come in and mess with that system without talking to somebody first. I see so many times where health systems will come in and try to set up NHSN AU reporting and decide that all the facility units need to be reclassified. There are very important regulatory implications based on the names those units are given. And also there are other complicated reporting platforms that are being used to fill those data into NHSN already at your hospital. So the first rule I have is that you have to go to infection prevention as they are the keeper of the keys and get to know them and work with them together on how to best set up your AU reporting. If you don't do that, you are destined to run into trouble. Chris, how about you? What rules do you have for NHSN reporting? I think that I would add there are a couple of other rules that we have talked about, but one of the things I did want to highlight 
As an antibiotic steward in the state health department, I work very closely with both an epidemiologist and an infection prevention nurse on our NHSN data. And I get this question a lot because we have roughly 100-ish hospitals in Tennessee, and now we have about 60 of them reporting. And so they've come to us with these first steps of reporting and what the particular roles of the infection preventionists are within that process and what the particular roles of the antibiotic stewards are. They vary just a little bit, but you are not going to get any sort of leadership support behind this if your infection preventionists and your antibiotic stewards are not playing nicely within that sandbox. And that I think is the key piece of this is the collaboration of the antibiotic stewards with the infection preventionists to get up and running. Thanks, Chris. You know, Melinda, you mentioned that this might seem like a daunting task, you know, having to go to CDA architecture, et cetera. But I want to also remind everyone that those same infection preventionists who already are working in NHSN also are reporting their hospital-acquired infections data. So somebody is doing something very similar at your facility. And I have a hunch that many stewards are kind of like me and that you want to always do it yourself. But this is a case where it might be better to go find out how other people are getting things done. So how is that HAI data getting reported? Sometimes that's a great place to start. That's somebody who already knows how to make those CDA files in many cases. So you don't have to spend your weekend being unsuccessful at it, as Amy alluded to. And they can point you in the right direction. There's also probably someone who's pretty used to doing drug use reports. And so you can rely on their expertise to help build these files. So you don't always have to start from scratch, but I don't mean to minimize the work that it takes. One of the great places to get started is go to people already doing this. And they might be a little bit outside of your normal toolbox in terms of resources you look to to help get the reports you need to do your day-to-day work. So really lean on infection prevention. They're super friendly and helpful. They know a lot. They've probably learned all the tips and tricks of NHSN and how the data coming out of your home system has problems with that. So they're a great resource and I encourage you to go to them. And then lastly, while you're there talking to those infection preventionists, I think it's also important that you spend some time talking about the NHSN annual survey. I think now most stewards are involved in completing that data, but probably even stewards don't realize what it means for you. One of the things that you're going to get from all this reporting into NHSN of your antibiotic use data is the calculation of a standardized antibiotic administration ratio, or the SAR. It's going to normalize your observed to expected antibiotic use at your facility in multiple categories of different unit types. Now, what is key to that is the calculation of the expected antibiotic use days. Those are calculated based on a robust analysis that's been done at the CDC over time. And it relies on historical data and it looks at how antibiotics are used in various hospitals and it adjusts on hospital level factors or facility level factors. Those are all taken off the NHSN annual survey. If you don't take the time to invest in answering the questions, not just about the stewardship program, but to make sure that things at the top of that survey also seem to make sense on the surface, you may be surprised at what it can do to your ultimate SAR values. I know that we've had several hospitals that have thought that their use was high or lower than it was indicated when they looked at their SARS. And we went back and looked and there was actually something incorrectly entered into their NHSN survey, you know, just a simple typo, or maybe it was numbers weren't added correctly. And so it's very helpful for you to keep your eyes on that survey as well, because those answers are what will be the basis of your SAR calculations going forward. I'm a huge fan of the annual facility survey. It's a statewide perspective. It gives us a very good snapshot of what antibiotic stewards across our state are doing as interventions for their own stewardship program. But one of the very first questions I ever received from someone was actually like, 
how do I calculate my own SAR? And I just remember going, because at the time, the formula and the parameter estimates that went into that formula were not publicly available. Kind of the factors that went in there that came from the annual facility survey were, but the formula weren't there. And I was like, well, you don't. NHSN does that for you. And you just go find those data within the AU option itself. But again, I would reiterate, making sure that your stewardship questions are accurately answered and making sure those higher level questions are accurately answered by the infection preventionist team and the NHSN facility administrator are of paramount importance to making sure that not only your SARS are correct, but also at the end of the day, your SIRS, which are for healthcare associated infections reporting are correct too. Yeah. So thank you, Libby and Chris, you covered a lot of information. And for folks that are just trying to keep up, we have a lot of great information on our web pages, including training videos. So if you're very interested in learning more about the SARS, the standardized antimicrobial administration ratios, definitely check out the links in the show notes with quite a few webinars we have posted on the SARS. So we have the unofficial rules from Libby and Chris' perspective, and Amy brought us back to some more official documents to learn more. I just want to go back to really thinking about the data and where should we obtain these data in order to submit to NHSN AU option? Why don't we start off with Libby? Yeah, that's a great question. I think perhaps maybe the theme of this podcast is going to be stewardship should not be a weekend side job because just like we can't do CDA files and learn them over the weekend, our traditional tools that we use as stewards like Excel, et cetera, aren't going to cut it. You really need some help from some heavy IT lift to get this done. There are lots of different ways that that can occur. I know that within our network, we do an IT resource that's local and that seems to work. But Chris, I bet you have a good vantage point from what you see throughout Tennessee. What other resources are there? So I think this goes a little bit back to what I was mentioning. If your infection preventionist and your stewards aren't playing well in the sandbox, getting your leadership to bring on your IT resources isn't going to work either. Most of our hospitals across the state do rely on some surveillance software system to pull their antibiotic use data as well as their denominator data. But we have some that have gone down the homegrown pathway and have gone down the homegrown pathway successfully. It's not always something that we recommend, partly because of some validation steps that have to happen that we will talk about in just a moment. But we have actually seen it happen. And if you have a really savvy like IT department that works closely with your stewardship department, then you can successfully do it. I've seen a CDA file. It scares me. And so I would not want to be the person who actually creates that file. And so I'll like toss that back to Libby and say, if somebody is going down the surveillance system, Libby, do you have suggestions or resources that they can look into for finding an appropriate surveillance system? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think, so first of all, I look within the health system you are because the best vendor system is the one that's already available to you. And we actually stumble across hospitals from time to time that don't realize that's possible for their facility or within a platform they already have. But if you want to learn about all the options, the Society of Infectious Diseases Pharmacists or SIDP actually maintains a list of all the AUR vendors that have successfully submitted antibiotic use as well as antibiotic resistance data into the platform. It's great one-stop shopping with a helpful, friendly contact. It's very pharmacy friendly, in fact, because this SIDP made it. We targeted pharmacists. So if you reach out to the people there, you'll get a friendly return from someone who knows the language that you speak and is able to help answer your questions about what might work for your facility. 
It is also helpful from our standpoint, as a government entity, we are unable to recommend one particular surveillance software over another. But what we can do is recommend those that have passed some of CDC's AUR synthetic data set validation. Yeah, so for AU and soon to be for AR as well, vendors have to complete a validation process. Basically, they get fake data from us and they have to run it through their software and produce an output that they validate and make sure that their software is correctly pulling and aggregating and doing all the things correctly. So for AU, that's been a requirement for any vendor or any facility really that's submitting AU data since last January, 2021. So we have a list on our website, on the NHSN website as well, of vendors that have passed the AU SDS validation. So you know that those vendors and that software specifically is good to go, is, is met the criteria. And we'll be doing the same for AR. Vendors are just now completing that process. And hopefully in the next quarter or two, we'll have validated AR vendors. I want to add one more thing to this. Thank you, Amy. I think it is important that folks consider this particular synthetic data set validation, but I don't think that necessarily covers the same validation step that many of our hospitals have to go through as part of their implementation process. When we first put our Tennessee requirement into place, we put it into place up to two years in advance because we knew that the process for implementation takes several months, anywhere from six months to 18 months. And your validation of your own data at your hospital is extremely important and can take several months of that time frame. And I want to stress the importance of that validation step and that CDC has a number of pre-implementation validation resources as well as ongoing validation resources listed on their website too. Yeah, Chris, you know, ongoing validation is so important. Maybe we're alone, I doubt it, but drug shortages are one of the main reasons that we have to do ongoing validation. You know, I think they tend to happen five o'clock on a Friday night. So whoever can add the new vial that you're able to get in of Piptazo adds it to the system, but may not realize that your flags for getting your data over to NHSN require very certain and specific settings. And so we have literally seen hospitals go from a lot of Zosin to no Zosin in a single month. Obviously that's a drastic one you'd find, but you need to have mechanisms to look at it and really see like, does this seem right? And nobody knows that better than the frontline stewardship pharmacist. So get in there and take a look at your data. There are great tools, as Chris mentioned, for ongoing validation as well, but never feel like validation is over for your site. Always have an eye of like, does this seem correct? Or I thought we had used some of that drug in the last six months so that you can make sure you're still getting correct data feeds going over. Who doesn't use Zosin in a six-month time frame? I want to see that hospital. Amy, do you want to go over the Validation, you already discussed the validation from a vendor perspective, but some of the validation tools that we have for the steward at the hospital site. Chris kind of already alluded to them. They're all posted on the website, but we have a few different types of validation. So we have a validation protocol, very detailed. Please don't be overwhelmed when you open the link. It's very long, but that walks facilities through the implementation steps. So that helps you from basically starting out at the starting line all the way through submitting your 
your first few months of data to NHSN. So if you have the resources and the bandwidth to do all of that validation, that is excellent. That will put you off on a great, great starting point. If you don't have all the resources, that's okay. You're welcome to always reach out to NHSN, the help desk, NHSN at cdc.gov, and we can help you kind of pinpoint the biggest bang for your buck. But in addition to the implementation resources, we also have a separate validation protocol that's to be used on a more annual basis. Once you've got your things up and running, the annual validation protocol is kind of like Libby said, just, you know, reviewing your data, making sure it passes your quality checks, just high level eyeballing it, that type of thing. And then we have a report in NHSN as well. That's kind of like a one click running that report will identify if your data meets right now it's four specific criteria, but we're planning to expand that. So that's a very easy way to see if you have anything that flags on that report, then that's a good place to start for validating those records. Okay. So we've gotten through vendors and submission and validation. Now let's talk about the fun stuff. What are the next important steps to really use these data for action? Linda, you know, I think in a lot of places that I work with, they rely on someone in the quality department or in IT to pull data back down out of NHSN. And my advice to pharmacists is get right in there yourself. There's a lot of tools that are evolving and emerging, and you may not even know to ask your IT department for something that sits out there in NHSN. So I encourage you to go ahead and get your own access. And right within the application, there's an analysis tab and you can go to reports. It's a long list. I remember when this first launched and there were maybe four or five reports available, and now it fills up more than a screen. So lots of different ways to slice these data exist right on the NHSN platform. I'll also say for some places where maybe your antibiotic use data are reported in by a corporate entity or someplace where you don't actually touch the data as it goes in, and you feel you don't have very granular reports at the local level to touch, you can actually go in and export all the raw data that they put in. It's really easy. And we actually do that for some sites when they're first joining our network just to get raw rates of use. That allows you to do a little bit different analysis if you have a specific question, and it's really not that hard. Plus, you can dig out those Excel spreadsheets for this job. It's not too difficult to do that. But I really encourage people to get access and go in and use the reports. I think Amy's going to go through and give us kind of a rundown of all the available reporting tools because they're just so robust now. Well, I don't know if we have time for all the reporting tools, but I'll give you know the highlights version. One thing that's very important that is a surprisingly common question is, do I have access as the steward to my data immediately on upload or do I have to wait, you know, for it to be processed or whatever. And the answer is immediately after you upload the files and what we call generate new data sets, those data are available to you and you can run all the reports on it. They'll be included in your rate tables, in your SARS, et cetera. So that's one of the really great parts of NHSN. Those data are immediately available to you. You don't need to wait. So we have everything from basic line lists and rate tables all the way to the SARS, which we kind of already talked about. And then another new tool, analysis tool that we introduced a few months ago is called the TAS reports, the Targeted Assessment for Stewardship Reports. And at a high level, those reports, and we have a couple dashboards that look pretty as well, you put in a SAR goal or a SAR target for your facility, and the TAS reports will tell you roughly how many antimicrobial days you would have needed to reduce in that given category to reach your SAR target. So that has been in development with us for a long, long time. And we finally launched it just a few months ago. So we're really excited to have that out in the world for everyone to see and use. But as I've been mentioning before, we have a lot of quick reference guides for every 
analysis report type we have, we have an associated guidance document. So try not to be overwhelmed. If you do have NHS on access and you click on that screen and you're like, oh my gosh, there's 28 reports or whatever we have, don't be overwhelmed. Just read the title. Some of them are already pre-filtered for you. So we've tried to make it kind of a one-stop shop. They're also very easily modifiable in most cases. So if you wanted to look at, you know, a single drug or a single location type, for example. Yeah. I'll also jump in and say, don't hesitate to ask your friends. There are a lot of us that do this and are happy to share what we do. I'm always getting great ideas from other colleagues who show their reports in different ways. I've actually even started on the bottom of all my slides. I put exactly where I got the data from in NHSN. One, so I can remember next time when I try to update it, but two, so I can share it with others. So feel free to reach out. You know, there are great networks of pharmacists out there all doing this. And some of them might even be at the health department, right, Chris? They are. Every state and jurisdiction has a healthcare associated infection program. And due to some increased funding sources over the past couple of years, a lot of them have a pharmacist focusing on antibiotic stewardship efforts. And it's a growing number, but a lot of those states also have started to establish access to the NHS and AU option data from hospitals within their jurisdiction. Now, everybody does, but all of them can hopefully serve as a resource to start looking at ways that you can analyze the data at a region-wide perspective or a statewide perspective. And that is one of the reasons that Libby mentioned the exporting your own data and getting down to that granular level. I do that all the time because I like to play with the antibiotic use data when I get it. And a lot of times I need to get to that kind of like base level of antibiotic use data before I can start combining and aggregating into state and region-wide looks across Tennessee. But yes, every state has resources that can at least guide you or get you connected with other antibiotic stewardship pharmacists across your state to inspire you on how to display and utilize your own antibiotic use option data. For those of you looking for other options, the CDC has also published some case use examples. Not surprising, I think some are from Chris, and I know one is from one of my hospitals, but these are ways where we actually tackled a problem that was put in front of us and then how we use the NHSN data to help address it go work with the hospital to change antibiotic use patterns and then track it with time. Right now, actually, the work that's occupied most of my time is the CDC has graciously funded our group through the Shepherd Mechanism to do a project on AU visualization. And so we are in the process, along with our colleagues within the UNC Duke Epicenter. So both colors of blue that are down here on Tobacco Road are represented. And we are working together to come up with 15 case use examples and how we use the NHSN. Each of these examples will feature three to four at a minimum different data visualizations and describe how we got them out of NHSN. And if needed, manipulated them or combined them with other data at our sites to really help change antibiotic use patterns in our hospital. So stay tuned. It's an aggressive timeline. So I'll be busy at least June, but we hope to be back next year to be able to tell you about all these great tools that we have available to you. So more coming soon. Yes. Thank you, Libby. And we plan on posting a link to our hospital core element implementation page in probably mid to late 2023 with use cases. And I'm going to wrap up this amazing podcast, but just one last question. When a facility is within NHSN, they can, of course, see their data, but of course, facilities would like to see others' facilities' data that's not part of their network. Can that be done? Well, honestly, not until recently. So 
this podcast is being released in observance of Antibiotic Awareness Week 2022. And for stewards, that's kind of like the holiday season of our year because we get lots of new data tools and resources that we use throughout the year. Something that has been put into a great tool that's out on the CDC website, the Patient Safety Portal, and that tracks antibiotic resistance. There's tons of great data out there from lots of different CDC programs. But what I really want to highlight is the data that's posted every year on one, the core elements and how those are implemented in hospitals. And those are now available at the state level. For several years, we've had access to antibiotic use in the outpatient setting based on prescription data that was posted. But now we have antibiotic use in the hospital level. And it's down to the state level, and it actually has your local SAR distributions. So what happened last year for Antibiotic Awareness Week, our big gift from the CDC was antibiotic use reports that include mean pooled SARs for all the different SAR categories, which allowed you to compare to other hospitals. So really, are other hospitals all at one? Or is everybody really at 0.8? Where do we need to target? That was available in print for us last year for the entire country. This year, what we get in that portal is you can go hover over each state and for the different categories, get the data for your state on antibiotic use. So if you want to compare to all the other facilities in your state, that is easy to do now by pulling that data down out of the portal. The link is in the show notes. And so I encourage you all, I know that I've been using it a lot. We've already, I think to the dismay of everyone in our group, I've made us change our slides to be state specific now for our benchmarks for SAR data. So there's lots out there. But even if you don't want to compare at the state level using the SAR data, Chris, what are others in your groups doing? Because you have so much experience with hospitals using the SAR. As I mentioned, I'm a huge fan of just the AU rates, but everyone in my entire state loves the SAR. And so that is what the people want. That is what we are actually giving them to you. Fortunately, if you're at the state level or if you're at a system-wide level of hospitals, you usually have access to larger numbers of hospitals data through either an NHSN user group or a data use agreement. And then you can do some really interesting and nifty things with your antibiotic use and SAR data. We are actually taking inspiration from the state of Washington. In other words, we are shamelessly stealing their idea to put out in the early part of 2023, what's known as a quarterly SAR report. And that is actually going to show every hospital's SAR for the various different SARs side by side next to one another. And so they can actually see what they've been asking to see for forever is like, what does my SAR for all antibacterials look like compared to all of the other hospitals in my bed size category of hospitals? We had hesitated to do stuff like that simply because we didn't have that many hospitals reporting, but now we've kind of reached a threshold where I think it's appropriate for us to publicly display those data. And so a hospital receiving that would know that they are hospital XYZ, but they're not going to know what all of the other codes for the hospitals are. And they'll be able to see their SAR compared to everybody else's. We are now investigating ways that we can do some analysis of that rather than just the display and visualization and give feedback to some of these hospitals based on their SAR trends? And how do we incorporate also the general AU rate into that quarterly report? So if you are a Tennessee hospital, stay tuned. Our first report is actually planned for quarter one data. So it will come out essentially in the spring of 2023. Thanks, Chris and Libby. And I just wanted to point out that when individual facilities are in NHSN, you can only see your own data unless you're a user of more than one facility or if you're at a system level or a health department level. For example, if you are logged in as hospital A, you will not be able to see the data from hospitals B, C, D, et cetera. 
in NHSN. But also to plug the report that Libby mentioned, we do have our 2021 AU data report posted now on the website. So feel free to take a look at that. It includes the distributions of the nationally submitted data from the calendar year 2021. So we're very excited about that. We've had that report for the last three years now, I think. We started in 2019. We have it three years in a row. So check that out. And you can see where your facilities are falls on the national distributions, especially because for the state level, some of your states probably don't have enough facilities submitting. So you won't be able to see the distributions. But if you're in some of the larger states, you will see it. So the national distributions might be the way to go for you. That's all the time we have for today. I want to thank Melinda, Libby, Chris, and Amy for joining us to discuss the NHS and AU option. We are especially appreciative of all of your work and expertise as we acknowledge the importance of optimizing antimicrobial use during this 2022 U.S. Antibiotic Awareness Week. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of Hot Topics in Pharmacy. And if you enjoyed today's conversation, be sure to subscribe to the ASHP official podcast for more great content. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.